0: Sam Spolita of Human Plant Solutions, thank you so much for being with us on the show today.
1: Thanks for having me, Joy. I appreciate it.
0: Hey, when we've got the more and exciting innovations that are happening in hemp, we want you so much on Hemp Barons. And brother, you are making prosthetics out of hemp for folks who are disabled, uh, folks who are missing some limbs. Uh, Please tell us how human plant solutions came to be in this world.
1: Yeah, of course. I mean we've we've had a long road and uh, journey in everything from learning about hemp to entrepreneurship to grants to working with universities. I mean our story has so many layers. It's an it's an onion that just I, I think keeps growing. <laughs> or as
0: I'll say a lotus petal a lotus flower whose petals keep unfolding.
1: <laughs> <An onion. laughs> Uh, yeah. So, I mean, we, we started in North Carolina. Uh, my, my background is medical device sales. My business, uh, partner, Kyle Trevisano, his, uh, background is, is more medical device manufacturing. He has a background in, uh, specifically manufacturing prosthetics. Uh, so we started the company about, Oh, he started about four years ago. And I came in about three years ago, and uh, we've just been on a journey of everything—from going to hemp conventions, going to entrepreneurship conventions, going to uh, learn how to write grants to the government. There's just so many ways that that we were able to to look at this, and I'm sure that you know this as well, Joy. That. Uh, I think it's the the plant itself has so many capabilities that sometimes when you're trying to create something with it, you get pulled in a lot of different directions, just by people in general having so much interest, and you become interested yourself. So, you know, in that aspect of three years of of going through that, I I think I've done that a lot myself and seen a lot of people doing it. So, you know, and, and it's great to to be able to to work with something that has the capability to to provide so much uh, innovation.
0: And, and yet the explosion and like some like sort of writing down some notes as I'm listening to you speak and and it's an explosion of information and and it's an, an explosion of opportunity and inspirations and also an explosion of folks who can take you in the wrong direction right everyone's an expert only uh, you you well know you and Kyle as I do by now uh, that to actually call yourself an expert in any hemp discipline or Hemp industry or hemp ancillary service, it it really means something. So actually, I I tend to other than when I'm actually expert witness testifying in court or administrative matters, I like to call myself a specialist lest I be confused with those just haphazardly calling themselves expert. I don't want the expert
1: label. No way. That's too <laughs> <expert right>
0: <laughs> so important. And but let me let me quickly um, ask you too. And I I already have so many things that I want to drill into because it, it's just so completely inspiring what you folks are doing and what you've already accomplished and are putting out into the world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I think we know that in hemp years you're already 150 years old. Um, but how did you discover hemp? Uh, clearly you are know about sustainability, regeneration, you are talking about humans and plants solving problems. Um so but how did you discover hemp? When did hemp enter your field of awareness?
1: Yeah, kind of. I mean, it was kind of the industry itself going through that rebirth that kind of made us gravitate towards it. I mean, Kyle, a lot of people don't understand that like Um, someone who does prosthetic like a prosthetic technician someone who manufactures prosthetics uh, you know they wear the title of prosthetic technician but they're actually rapid prototypers because every these are custom medical devices so every device is is different and they work with a facet of of materials whether it's carbon whether it's kevlar aramid fibers you know a lot of, of things that are used in every industry especially the aerospace industry so uh, these guys are rapid prototype typers and almost material scientists. So it's, it's very, very unique. And if you've ever met anyone who's grinded carbon or if you've ever grinded carbon yourself, it is not a fun material to work with. Like, I'm not saying it's a bad material and that it's get, that we're going to replace it. Uh, you know, I don't consider myself an expert to to make those claims right now, but I can say that I know enough about prosthetics and how to res- and how we're trying to resent- resemble a residual limb as much as we can and i don't think that carbon is the best material for that carbon has really good energy return but it really doesn't uh uh have much uh give to it or softness to it you know and if you if a if a carbon device falls off a table it's going to break and delaminate you know our hemp devices uh <laughs> they're not, they're not doing anything close to that
0: May, may I ask just a super quick one because this mm-hmm. is the perfect, it, 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 you, we're probably about to volunteer the information, brother, but if I could just sort of frame it for our listeners and I find often that, um, and, and I was just at NOCO Hemp Expo, which is my favorite ever uh, US, you know, Hemp Trade Association and I'm I'm constantly moderating panels and, and stuff like that and I I will ask folks, why hemp? And and generally, people will give me the, well, because it's so much better for the environment and blah, blah, blah. Now, I don't mean to, to minimize that. Obviously, the whole reason why I got inspired 30 years ago to basically dedicate my life to the hemp movement and to the plant and, and the reemergence of the industries is because I am beyond fully aware of the environmental benefits of hemp versus other sources, such as natural sources, including trees, and non-natural sources, such as graphite whiskers and carbon nanotubes that are man-made and so cost prohibitive that you can barely do R&D. What I really want these folks to answer, and and I'm so thrilled that you're going to be able to nail it, is when I say why hemp, I mean, how is hemp superior in its performance to the existing materials that we're using. So, yes, it's way better for the environment and we can do show after show after show on all of those reasons why. But I want to get to the nitty-gritty of it. Why is hemp better than the than the existing? And I'm sure that's where you were going, but I really wanted to frame it up, brother. So, why is hemp better than the existing and otherwise finest materials that folks thought were the finest materials for prosthetics?
1: I mean, it it, it <laughs> It goes back to, to, to where, where we got our synthetic materials from. I mean, we had to study other materials uh, and strengths and capabilities of things before we got to our synthetic capabilities. So everything originated from, from plants in in general, you know, we've just, we've just put other things in place. And, you know, I believe one of the sustainability is really important, but now we understand the importance of, you know, with things happening and transitions in the world, the importance of controlling supply chains, logistics, controlling materials. And, and if anyone to understand even what, like go on YouTube and watch a video of the manufacturing and production of carbon and how long it takes, how extensive the process is. I don't mind going to get into the, to the sustainability differences. We all, I'm pretty sure most of the people who watch your show understand that, but you know, just the process of it and, and, you know, we can grow hemp in 120 days, and we can have a lot of material—not uh, just material for industrial uses. I mean, things that can be sources of food. Uh, uh, I mean, it, it goes on. I mean, you can you can you can strengthen your soil and, and the earth in general, but with with crop roti- with cr- proper crop rotation with hemp. I mean, the capabilities are, are are very endless with this plant, and it and it shows uh Amazingly, you know, I I originally got into the industry. I, I was doing cosmetic lasers. That's what I used to sell. Uh, understood the medical device industry very well. Always had a passion for entrepreneurship. Got into the, uh, um, you know, got into the hemp industry and was started my own C, uh, CBD company. And then from there, met kyle early on we kept meeting each other at shows and then wow. one thing led to another people you know there's like you said there's the good people in the industry and then there's the other people in the industry and a lot of the good people that are you know experienced veterans in this this industry they've definitely helped us along the way and and allowed us to kind of come together so just the community in general uh, that that surrounds this plan i don't think people realize uh that as well and um you know our company we we solely like we you know we won't, we are a company that's going to make prosthetics uh, but we truly are a company that wants to focus on education we know that if we provide proper materials and you educate people properly with these materials innovation is is endless and people will just adopt it because they they learned with it so that's i think is going to be a big proponent of us moving forward with with sustainability with hemp in general absolutely Uh,
0: you and when we're talking about really you know i think the main pieces and you correct me if i'm wrong and both of us acknowledging of course that kyle your cto and co-founder is is the the science guy uh so to speak but so what we're talking about here is carbon, if we just take the two materials, right? Carbon, mm-hmm. it's hard, it's strong, we know that. It's also doesn't have a lot of give. Uh, so we've got with with hemp on the, on the microscopic level, or and when I say microscopic, I guess we really are talking about nanotechnology. So looking at things on the nanoscale, which of course is far more intense than the microscopic, We're talking about strength and and surface area off the charts, as well as the ability for it to give a little bit. And I'm wondering if to the extent you want to talk to us uh, about that give factor uh, where carbon is different than than a hemp resin, as it were.
1: Yeah, I mean, carbon is just really rigid uh, and and hemp is 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 not going to be as a rigid of material. Just, in the, just when you compare them. Um, I, I also am a, a big believer just on going back to, you know, how do we, how do we, there's 40 million people in the world that don't have access to prosthetic care or can't afford it. Mm. And most of those people are in third world countries. So I'm just trying to figure out in my mind how I'm going to send all these raw materials to a country and try to, try to even combat man like eating into that number and we'd have to do it with sustainable materials. It would make no sense for us to start sending carbon to third world countries. So that alone, I mean, there's just so many, there's so many other ways to do things. And and I think as, as we're figuring out that just goes back to, we have to, we we have to control our logistics and our supply chains more. And we have to use the, the earth itself to provide the raw materials that we need if we really want to grow as as a world. And and you know we can't we can't just keep going the way we're going. I think everyone uh, understands that and we solely think that if we show people that you can use a material even just like hemp and you can provide care for people that don't have limbs. Then, like I'm pretty sure that we this thing has a lot more capabilities than we're even opening it up to. So it, it you know, we want to be someone that it, that people look at our company and they want to go do something innovative with hemp, and that that's what we we help support those people. I mean, we're working with other people right now uh, doing a lot of a lot of stuff. I mean, we're working with the University of KU right now. We have six students working on a capstone project. Uh, they're uh, engineering students and they're developing a pediatric running blade out of hemp for children. Uh, <laughs> they don't really, yeah, they don't really make running blades for children just because the children kind of grow too fast and, and having custom off the brace shelving is is a lot of FDA and hoops and stuff. Uh, so we plan on uh, once we, Develop it out, prototype it. We we plan on uh, making custom ones for for children, and making it available as well.
0: Oh my gosh! I mean, this is so fantastic and. And what, uh, you know, talk about a a material omission. When we Mm -hmm. sit here and talk about the incredible environmental benefits, the fast growing, we talk about strength, surface area and give, then you nailed, you know, you nailed it with, and cost for heaven's sake, and uh, carbon versus, you know, versus hemp. And then when we discuss this this idea you're basically talking about permaculture saying you know what how does that make sense for us to ship carbon to third world countries. And and permaculture is really, many folks who have heard the term before, right, they think of it as a garden or just strictly agricultural, how to manage land. And that is obviously a very huge piece of of the permaculture flower, which has several petals to it. And, And a lot of folks don't even know that Hemp Ace International, which is my own consulting firm, is the permaculture flower. It's an adaptation of hemp leaves on the permaculture flower because I can Consider hemp to be that permaculture flower. So there's a petal for land and nature stewardship for building for tools and technology, which is where the prosthetics for hemp salute, you know, uh, human plant solutions comes in. There's a pedal for education and culture, health and spiritual well-being, finances and economics, land tenure and community governance. Because what permaculture really is is, you know, nature is efficient, nature adapts, nature doesn't make mistakes. And so if we as humans start to develop systems that mimic, Natural systems that we find in nature, we're gonna be able to do this thing, live harmoniously on the planet in a regenerative, even beyond sustainable way. So I it, it's amazing listening to you talk. Um, and again, the tremendous innovation that the the need that your company, Human Plant Solutions, is filling, is the is really the epitome of, of permaculture and finding those systems. And, and now you're talking. Talking to me about, you know, starting to and endeavoring to and intending to, I should say, uh, create those prosthetics for children. So further expanding that goal.
1: Mm-hmm. And it's a lot of it's coming from, you know, we, we're still a, a, a startup, small company, and we're just getting a lot of support from, you know, universities from, from I mean, we received funding from the Department of Commerce in Kansas to bring the company uh, to Kansas, we really like Kansas, we think that, you know, if history is going to repeat itself, and we're going to grow, even you know what we were growing right, right before World War II, over Two, over II million acres of hemp per year, I would imagine that we'll be growing over 5 million uh, in the coming future. And I mean, I'm not a, a big betting person. But if someone wants to take the bet that we're going to grow not going to grow a lot of hemp in Kansas, then I will take that bet.
0: Amen. And in listening to you speak in the last 20 seconds, I have goosebumps just going up, radiating sort of up and down my body as Kansas reclaims this, this crop and and takes it and runs with it and heals the world with it. And, yeah thanks to people like you. Now, I know that these incredible products are going to be launched into the marketplace very, very soon. But right now, of course, you have a total rock star uh, using uh, this incredible prosthetic that you've created, Mark Dunchy. Can you tell us about him and how he's using uh, the hemp prosthetic made by Human Plant Solutions?
1: Yeah, Mark's story is uh, actually pretty amazing. Uh Mark was uh someone who got injured in a uh motorbike accident. Um injured his leg and he undergo, underwent multiple multiple surgeries uh before not wanting to do any more surgeries and not wanting to take any more pharmaceutical medication. Uh so he voluntarily had them remove his limb. Uh a- after that uh mark was on medicaid and medicare so he was kind of concerned about the price of these devices and if he could even afford one or how he was get- he basically wanted to see if he could learn how to make one himself so he uh down the down the street from him was an office uh uh not one that he went to to get his device but it was the office that my business partner kyle was working at and he had And Mark asked them for a job uh, because he just wanted to learn. And they gave Mark a job sweeping floors. And Kyle was always in the back working. And then he started helping Kyle. And then they became friends. And then, uh, you know, over time, Kyle, one day, I think they were like uh, on vacation somewhere. And Kyle's like, I want to make you a device out of some new material. Would you be interested? And so then Kyle, uh, you know, as, as the, some of the best entrepreneurs out there do, you build it in your garage. And so he built it, the first original prototype, which Mark is still wearing today, which is actually 100% hemp. Um, and we believe that, you know, maybe a, most people will be blending, uh, carbon with hemp to start, but we know that, uh, hundred percent hemp works really, really well, um, and so from that moment on um you know that's that's how it kind of all got started that's mark's story mark's been wearing the device now for four years he's competed in a 70 mile iron man uh mark's actually an incredible athlete too i mean a lot of people would look at his iron man time and would be like oh that wasn't very good but if you look if you think about an amputee and their transition from doing one event to the next like he doesn't have a leg he had to after swimming, he had to crawl from the beach to get on his bike, and then put his and then get on his bike and bike. So, if you take away all his 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 time lapses of transitions, he actually had a very very good time. So, he's an incredible athlete. Uh, you know, he ran the Boston Marathon uh, uh, recently last year virtually in the device. He's going to run again virtually this year in Kansas cause he, he does he Mark lives in North Carolina. He's like it's too there's too hot for me in North Carolina. I'm going to come run in Kansas. City. <laughs> he likes
0: it up up north yeah. as it were. I Brother, sure. I I just I, I have to just remark for a second. How people build prototypes prototypes and prototypes, right? Mm-hmm. You're talking about basically a world-class athlete who is using your very first prototype for these world-class athletic competitions, your first prototype successfully.
1: Yeah, we can't get him to, it's like a baseball glove that he doesn't want to take off. <laughs> oh, I
0: abs- God, I absolutely love this. And so, and so now if we could, and again, I know, and we'll have Kyle on at, at some point, mm-hmm. to the extent that you um can help us understand. We are talking, of course, about this patent pending alternative that you and Kyle through Human Plant Solutions has created of caustic, high cost, conventional ultralate composites you're you've created this with with plants can you tell us a little bit and, and your site of course is wonderful um and we want folks to be able to go to pod which is p-o-d-c-o-n-x podconnects.com, and we'll get you your links uh, to get to human plant solutions. Um, and we've got here, you're talking about the eco-resin, the no-glass, but can you tell us a little bit about the material itself, how it, how it is made or what you mean by eco-resin, no-glass, and anything else that you'd like to share?
1: Yeah, so of course, I mean, it, it's just going back to the aspects of the, the plant going in the ground. Uh, everybody knows... Uh well not everybody, but quickly the differences between kind of industrial hemp and cannabis cannabis sativa itself that's more used for the oils or creating the flower. That plant it grows flowers and it grows shrub. It grows like a shrub and it creates nodes on the main stalk. Those are branches that come off the main stalk every time it it grows. That you want that to happen if you want to get flowers on the plant, but when you create those nodes, you actually create large cellulose builds up buildups and you can't get long technical fiber uh, off of the plant. So you really need to get true industrial hemp.
0: Oh my God. I was so happy to hear you say that because I was like, oh my Lord, are we going to have an editing note there? Please no on the bushy hemp for
1: for plants. I don't want your shrubs. I want the stalks. And then, and then, so once we get the true industrial hemp, then you have the the fiber uh, and you have uh, the herd. And I'm really trying to go after that fiber. There's basically kind of three different types of fiber that you can get. Uh, you get long uh, staple fiber, short staple fiber, and lent fiber. Uh, I'm really after that long staple fiber. Now, the, a lot that goes into growing hemp. People think that hemp is a very fun plant to grow and it makes <laughs> a lot of money, uh, but it's also a – One of the hardest plants to process. Uh, degumming that
0: especially for the fiber, right? As we Mm -hmm. often say, we love that it's the longest, strongest fiber in the world after it's been harvested and processed, but getting it harvested and processed is another thing.
1: So we've, you know, we've had an extensive journey of learning a lot about, you know, I would have loved to just launch a medical device company, but unfortunately I had to learn a ton about hemp because I knew that it was going to be an integral part to I mean, even there are people right now who are probably listening to this show who are going to maybe go buy some hemp and I, I hope you get real hemp. I hope you're not getting jute or canaf or flax because people don't really understand that this industry, it's very much like CBD. So you, you just need to be very, very careful with fiber. I mean, right now I'm, you know, I've been told by a lot, a lot of people that they have the long fiber and they're degumming it and they're spinning it. And, you know, I, I think there are some people that are close to doing that or possibly doing it right now. But, you know, I, I still think that we are light years behind what China has the capabilities of of doing and has been doing for over 80 years as we've been, you know, eradicating this plant for uh, a specific amount of time. I mean, it's very interesting. There's a, there, there was actually a study done at K-State University uh, on how to eradicate hemp. Uh, it was done, oh gosh, I can't remember what year it was done, but the government, you know, spent about two point five million dollars trying to figure out how to eradicate it. They couldn't, they couldn't eradicate it.
0: Well, they spend that money and more than that annually in the DEA budget continuing to try to eradicate, you know, a a species that will never, first of all, allow itself to be eradicated. And second of all, it's a ton of volunteers. So the 2.5 is a drop in the bucket, right, of what they've – of what they've actually spent, and I and you know the reality is that China they created delineation or degumming of hemp fiber in mm-hmm. in the 1980s. So I I caught like I think it was around 19 right around the time that the first very first sort of newspaper version of the emperor wears no clothes came out in the United States. So I call it post prohibition technology uh, that China figured out there, um, and and they are indeed light years and also. We're watching. Uh, you know. I think five to 10 years for those who want to, to create that infrastructure and that manufacturing supply chain, I think we're going to be able to do it. We've already got uh, hemp mills and hemp traders. Now, hemp mills is newer, but believe me, this Madison is absolutely doing it. They just had to go from, I think, a 1,000-square-foot facility to a 15,000-square-foot facility, and I think then... They're moving into an eighty thousand um, mm-hmm. for for to create hemp textiles and hemp traders who you may very well know Lawrence Serbin, a very dear friend of mine and a leader in the industry for decades. Um, you know, he last year did the first three textiles, uh, hemp, American-made textiles. Having said that, brother the fiber itself, of course, was imported because we're not yet growing. When we talk about the quality that would allow itself to be used as an actual textile as opposed to a more industrial purpose. And so sort of underscoring what you say about, you know, hemping ain't easy. People want to grow hemp. It's going to be super fun. I'll quit my software job and become a hemp farmer. You know, we're hearing that a lot. Uh, But the reality is it's further complicated by the fact that we're, you know, thank you, USDA, for uh, she said sarcastically and not the not the current USDA, but in the past for literally destroying the hemp germplasm that was, you know, within the United States possession. So we're having to recreate the germplasm here. So we're asking farmers, you know, what, gee, what does grow in your climate, in your photo period, in your soil, for your region of the country? So it makes it so so difficult. And and the last thing that I just want to um, make sure that I insert there before you um, continue to tell us more about this incredible company that you formed and the products you're making and the problems you're solving are that the thing about hemp, when we talk about good actors and then others, as it were, there are lots of well-intended, however misguided actors in the space, right? So we've got our real, true, I'll use that word specialist and yes there are several experts subject matter discipline experts um and then we've got the well-intended but misguided actors and that I think actually is what is most in the stream of the of the emerging industries right now we've got not so many awesome, old school actors and specialists. Then we've got the well-intended misguided actors. And then we've got, and it's a much smaller population than the well-intended misguided, is the, is the intentionally bad actors, the exploiters, the unscrupulous actors who are taking advantage. And it comes in every emerging industry. They they find themselves to yeah. it and just knows they, find, they found their way to hemp.
1: Exactly. It goes back. I mean, we kind of, it was funny because we were, we we were, when we were kind of doing our company, we were going to a lot of the hemp uh, stuff, but also going to a lot of entrepreneurship stuff. And it's the same thing with entrepreneurship. You know, it's like, they're like, oh, I'll do this for you. I can do this for you. I can do this for you. And a lot of people who have the good intentions, someone says they can do something for them and then they start going down that path. And that's why it's really, really important if like, I'll, I will caution people So much like you have to educate yourself and don't let this plant take you in a different bunch of different directions. Like, focus on one thing and be really passionate about that and good about that. And that's how you can have a lot of success. And if you, and the same thing for entrepreneurship, everyone wants to make money in entrepreneurship. Just find a problem that you're passionate about, find a solution for that problem, and work every day at it. And you will love what you do and you will be successful. And it would help our world.
0: (laughs) I mean, drop the mic. Let's just end the interview here. I'm totally kidding. Because what you are clearly doing that and living that. And that is a perfect segue into HPS, Human Plant Solutions, green resins or eco resin. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah, it's just more of a, we, I mean, we are actually working on, um, we have a, we have a really good relationship with the University of Missouri and the National Institute of Aviation Research. Uh, University of Missouri is really good with ag, uh, and they have, a, they have uh, some unique professors there that, that study renewable energies and uh, other, other, and degumming processes and making, uh. You know, resins from uh, eco-friendly materials and plants. Ours is a soybean-based uh, resin, um, but it is still not, you know, eco-resins. I would love to sit here and say to to tell you that they are the most amazing thing and, and that they are completely biodegradable. All that that's that's just not true yet. We don't have those capabilities yet. But I will tell you, I am working on uh, some unique grant proposals that. Are developing some resins uh, from hemp specifically, so I think that we will get there. And I'm, I'm, I'm just, and I know that there's people that are doing this probably or have already figured out that are above me doing it so
0: we we want everybody on it so everyone is learning different things and using it for different and the same purposes i mean Mm -hmm. we're we're going whaling right now on the planet there basically is no such thing as competition unless of course as you learned you're in the cbd game um so i i will also say that you know hempwood are you familiar with the product made by yeah. I bet you are. You should be friends with Greg Wilson if you're not already. And if you're not, oh, I'll be so happy to introduce you. I would love that. Oh, good. I'm doing it right after this show. So he uses in Hempwood, of course, he uses biomimicry. I mean, he's a brilliant mm-hmm. guy. Um, with And he went to Harvard Business School on top of being the brilliant guy. Um, but that soy... a a soy-based resin as well that is that is used as part of that as part of his process i mean and it's wonderful stuff and i'm just going to quickly read here uh about eco resin just so we can make sure the listeners get it since you did it so well here on the on the website Hemp Humid Plant Solutions green resins are seamlessly interchangeable with their traditional petro based counterparts and require no special processing. I mean, already, winner, but we'll keep going. They retain the same or better physical characteristics, including mechanical properties and chemical and UV resistance. OMG. Moving on, and this is how I'll wrap up for eco resins renewable content humid plant solutions offers several ecotech resins that use up to 30% bio derived renewable resources recycled content is up to 45% of your resin content that can be used as a post-industrial recyclable material. This is not a or recycled, apologies, material. This is not a commercial. This is educating folks to what we're talking about when the, the finest among us use this plant and take it and run with it. I mean, this is amazing um, that you, and and of course, I I understand that we're talking about soy, but you're 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 talking about using these plants to create these incredible uh, materials, and that brings me back to it because I know we mentioned that for Mark, his original prototype was the hundred percent hemp. What can you share with us about what you've learned or how you might have modified that? And I'm sure you'll continue to perfect um, as as science develops, but. How has how has the that changed in sort of the current um, makeup of your of your biocomposite uh, prosthetics?
1: I mean, not much. I mean uh, that that original device. Actually, we just uh, you know we we think uh, we thought it would should have been maybe a little bit thicker than we made the original one, but it is withstood um, all of whatever Mark could put on it, and we actually just recently. Mark was just visiting Kansas, uh, and we just recently made him a new prototype. Um, that is that is exactly the same. So we're we're seeing um, we're seeing great results just from our that original layup. I mean, Kyle has a really really good understanding of of Mark in general as a uh, as an amputee and just a, a really good uh, understanding of of prosthetic manufacturing. Uh, but we've had, uh, a number of people who have utilized our material and they blended it with carbon. Uh, they blended it with, uh, with other aramid fibers and we've seen very much similar, similar results. Um, we tried to manufacture the material too, to mimic a nyglass, which, uh, that's pretty much what is a, is a filament material that's also used in, in the manufacturing of prosthetics. And if you were to look at what what a synthetic nyglass uh, looks like to manufacture prosthetics and look at our material, you basically wouldn't be able to tell the difference. And that's what goes back to why we can use plants and sustainable products uh, for... For industry purposes we, we, we can even make them look very similar if that's what people wanted to do because it's very interesting in industries to get people to adopt things that if it doesn't if it doesn't look the part um, sometimes performance doesn't even matter
0: God, so it's so true isn't it but to to be able to hit all of those marks and check all of those boxes mm-hmm. that- that's where the sweet spot is. And, and that is so what you're doing. Um, And I also wanted to, to mention, and I love that you're tooling around with, with hemp for, for an adhesive or for a glue or for a resin. Um, And you may have already know, but I want to make sure the listeners know that 3M of course has recently announced that they are starting to use hemp for some of their products. And, uh, and I really wonder, I'm not a scientist, so I'm not even going to pretend except to say that that linion, man, something tells me that linion is going to have something good around adhesive. We'll see. Now the other product uh that you are are manufacturing and and distributing and you'll let me know if it's if it's on the market when you respond to this question brother is the no glass and it's it's the natural fiber uh tape that's 84% hemp and 16% eco nylon and it looks like it's available in various different yeah. um you- Got the nine centimeter uh, knit roll, the medium twelve centimeter knit roll, and the large fifteen centimeter knit roll. Tell us about that.
1: Yeah, so those are so in the manufacturing of prosthetics, that would be the material that is uh, that mimics the nighglass. So that is our 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 material that would be a plug-in replacement for synthetic nighglass. Uh, that is the same material that made Mark's prototype that is just 100% hemp. So you could use nothing but that material to make the the, the devices. Uh, like I, like we said, that's a blend of a hemp yarn. So if we go back to talking about those fibers uh, earlier in the segment, how you have those long staple fibers, you have the short, uh, short staple fibers and the lint fibers, if you take long uh, long staple fiber degum properly, you can ring ring spin it into a textile yarn in a variation of sizes, and then you can implement that into a facet of textiles, of automotive industry, aerospace industry. I mean the applications are endless.
0: Truly. Truly endless. Oh, my gosh. I feel like we just got started uh, in this interview. And I I basically can't wait to have you back on. But I'll have Kyle on and we'll take turns when we bring you from Human Plant Solutions. You are a company and two gentlemen that I am going to be watching so closely, and I think everybody else should as well. And I'm I'm so inspired and thrilled. Uh, and it doesn't surprise me at all because of the innovation that you're bringing, that you're getting such support from our institutions of higher learning, from the government itself in terms of the state of Kansas. It's just so wonderful to see all of this happening, really the best and the brightest of these promising emerging industries. And, and before we part, um, Sam, have I not... Asked Ask you a question, or or that you wished I had asked, or something that you want to make sure that you do leave the listeners with before we go.
1: Uh, lastly, I just want to tell everyone that that you got to support this community. States have to support it. Governments have to support it. The the human population has to support it and start looking at it and accepting it. And if we can do that as a community then I think that we will achieve what a lot of people are looking for and bettering our world. And we're a company that's here to support that in any way. I mean, we're always available. You can you the info at, will go directly to my email. I always respond. So we're people who are here to help support in any way we can. And we're just thankful to be a part of this community and thankful to have a company that gets to, to help people.
0: We are so glad to have you, man. And that that's just an understatement, brother. Thank you so much for being with us on the show. Thank you for everything that you do. Um, Hemp Barons is watching you guys, boy. And please, listeners, get to www.podconnects.com so you can check out uh, the links um, for our guest, Sam Spolita. Sam, brother, I'm wishing you everything wonderful. Until next time, thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you, Joy. Thanks for listening to today's show. To check out more great cannabis podcasts, go to podconnects.com. Here's a preview of one of our other
1: shows. How do cannabis CEOs balance growth and optimization strategies? What is THCO, Delta 10, and CBNA, and why should you care about these minor cannabinoids? And why isn't the endocannabinoid system covered in medical school? Most people think they're up-to-date in trends in the cannabis industry, but they're about six weeks behind. Learn about what is truly next in the cannabis space by joining myself, Brian Fields, and Kellen Finney every week on the Dime Podcast, and of course, on PodConnects.